and welcome to the sanctuary a safe space to speak from the heart i'm your host israel and my guest today is super talented tara jackson thank you for coming to the sanctuary thanks for having me yeah how are you doing today you know i'm surviving one day at a time (laughs) yeah 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 i know what you mean um i mean especially being that what you do is has pretty much shut down for a year now right mm-hmm. yep what was the last thing you walked on well uh technically the last thing i worked on was in december so not so far ago um the last like in theater thing i did a reading workshop of the wizard of oz with um alberta theater projects so that was yeah that was the last thing i did like in a theater and before that <laughs> i hadn't done anything in-house um since february of 2020 so what did you do in february so, uh the invisible with catalyst theater in edmonton mm-hmm. yeah it's been a uh, COVID has been um scary for one yeah. um, eye-opening yeah. and yeah. just shocking you know because mm-hmm. uh i don't know i think it also shows how fragile humanity is you know absolutely and stupid <laughs> <laughs> oh god it's like it's just like i can't believe some of the it's not that I can't believe it. It's just that I'm like, I'm never shocked, I guess. I'm just disappointed in humans. It's like, I feel like Alberta is like the comment section of the internet. And it's just like a hot fucking mess <laughs> all the time. It's so like, don't read the comments. Don't look at Alberta because we're a disaster. <laughs> um, That is like where you grew up, right? Yeah, born and raised. <laughs> how, how was it like for you growing up there? I mean, you know, it was fine to grow up here, I guess. I don't think I was overly aware of... Okay, let me not say that. There were times where I was overly aware of my Blackness, and there were times where I was not so aware. I think I had a, a good group of people around me, generally. But, you know... uh race was always a thing like it was often I have an older brother and it was often he and I were the only black kids until like junior high and then there was maybe like two others and then in high school there was maybe like five or six others so there wasn't a lot of people who looked like me Um, most of my friends didn't look like me didn't have the same experiences as me which was fine like I said but I think the older I got the more I started to notice but as far as like growing up here, like I had a lovely childhood, great home, great family, dinner together every night, lots of fun, all the activities that a kid could want to do. Like, yeah. So mm-hmm. as far as that, it was great. Yeah. You said as you were growing up, you started to notice some things. What are some of the things you noticed? Just like small, I, I often say to people, like the racism here in Alberta, and I'll speak for Calgary specifically in my experience only, is that it's very subtle. So it's not that somebody is going to outright call you the N-word, although that's happened. Um, it's more so like I used to serve, like be a server at a restaurant, 
and it was like people didn't want to sit in my section or it was like hesitance to hire me for a job or just little things like that more so than like outright blatant racism which I almost prefer because if you're going to be a racist I'd rather you like say it with your chest (laughs) you know like don't pretend you like me don't pretend so yeah that's kind of what I find here and now in COVID things are a bit different I think the racists are just like living their best life because (laughs) they're like fuck it like I can say what I want um so it's a whole new adventure although I don't go anywhere so I don't really have to deal with it you know yeah it's great I also think one thing that happened was like the fa- uh, the past four years in the U.S. Like mm-hmm. you know, it it, it it kind of made everyone that was like uh, keeping what they were saying in their homes to actually come out right and say it. Sure. And I'm like you too, you know. I prefer you just say it. So kind of at least I know what I'm dealing with than you know those subtle right. ones. I think the tiny, you know, it's there, but it's not there. Ones are even more hurtful. Because mm-hmm. it, it's when you sit back and think of it like, oh, shit, that's what that person was trying to say or, or do. But, you know, totally. let's go uh, talking about you growing up. Like, did you always mm-hmm. want to act Cause, uh, or like be in the theater? <laughs> no. No? <laughs> no. No. Wow. Um, definitely not. Um, I always sang. Like, I always wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be Whitney Houston. Still do. Um, I just... Like, theater came very late to me. I wasn't a theater kid. I wasn't singing theater. I wasn't seeing theater. It's not that I didn't like it. I just didn't know. I don't think I knew that it could be a career. I don't think I knew that it was something I could do or wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my first experience kind of with musical theater was not till my last semester in college when oh. I ended up doing Rent. And I went to music school, not theater school. So I auditioned for Rent because I've always loved Rent and I booked it and I think that's when the theater bug bit me and I was like oh I grew up singing I I danced competitively I can do all of this kind of together in one thing why not and I kind of just <laughs> fell in love from there and then it's just kind of worked out did you say you dance competitively yeah I did I was a dancer when, my mom was a dancer so she put me in dance at three and it was one of those things where it's like you just do the thing. <laughs> What's <laughs> so you don't want to you I started out with ballet and tap and jazz, like the essential ones. I dropped ballet because I hated it. Like I, what do you hate it. about it? I don't. I was three, so it was just like I don't know. I just didn't <laughs> like it. Like it was too. I think it was too slow for me. I really yeah. love love tap. Like that was that was my home. Definitely tap, jazz, hip hop. Um. Yeah, and then I kind of went back and forth. Like, I quit dance for a little bit to do sports because I was also an athlete growing up, and I loved soccer. So I was like, I got to pick. I'm going to do soccer. And then I went back to dance, and then I competitively danced for three years, and then I just quit altogether. So I was like, I'm going to do the music thing. <laughs> I don't care about <laughs> dance so much. <laughs> and, um, like, with the singing thing, do you before before school, before, like, Berkeley? Did you mm-hmm. um, get any singing training anywhere? Yeah. So I took singing lessons my whole like upbringing. So from the time I was seven through to the end of high school, so when I was 17, um, I was with the same teacher. And she wasn't like a royal conservatory teacher. Like she wasn't a classical teacher, very contemporary. Um, 
yeah, but I learned everything I know from her. I mean, until I went to school. Um, mm. Yeah, and it was more of like a hobby. It was just like, I love to sing. I would do recitals with her. And then I did a few competitions, um, which was always fun, but I wasn't serious. Like, it was just something I loved to do. Mm. I wasn't super like serious about pursuing a, you know, a career in music. Um, and then when you finished high school, did you know you wanted to go to Berkeley? How did that even happen? Yeah, so I had won a competition in 2005 or 2006, I can't remember. Some like Calgary Junior Idol competition, I won it. And one of the prizes was to record with this local band. One of the guys in the local band was like, oh, you should think about music school. Like there's Selkirk College in BC, which is like a sister program or was at the time of Berkeley, which is in Boston. And I had never heard of this before. I was like, I don't, like, I'm looking at, like, Harvard and other schools. Like, I'm not looking at music school. So he kind of put the bug in my ear. I talked to my voice teacher about it. She was like, yeah, if you want to do it, do it. Talked to my parents about it. And at the time, they weren't auditioning in Canada. So the closest place to audition for me was in San Francisco. Went there, auditioned, and then, like, However many months later, I got the email being like, welcome to the school. <laughs> and I was like, do you remember yeah. how your audition went? Yeah, I was so nervous, like so <laughs> nervous. Um, and not even, not at the fact that I had to sing in front of people because that never made me nervous. But it was just like, I really want to go to the school and I really mm -hmm. want to get in. And I was kind of, up until that point, I had kind of, For a few years, I had like won competition. So I was kind of like used to winning in a way. And I was just like, okay, if I don't, if I don't win this, if I don't get this audition, I'm going to feel like so terrible or feel like oh. I can't do this. So I think I put a lot of pressure on myself yeah. and it wasn't from like an ego standpoint. I think it was just like, I just really, really wanted this. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I walked into the room and we did a little bit of improv. We did a little bit of call and response. And then he had like prepared pieces and I sang um, uh, I Surrender, Sitting Dion, because Canada, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and it was great, like I had a great time. I walked out feeling good. I had no idea whether I'd gotten in or not, but it was, it was cool. It was fun to go to San Francisco and like do the thing. And then months yeah. later I got the email and was like, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Now how are we gonna pay for it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah because like i mean first off it isn't canadian dollars anymore right no 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 sir <laughs> no sir and you pay more if you're an international student which canadians are considered international even though we're on the same yeah. continent yeah, um, yeah yeah so yeah it was very expensive um thanks mm. mom and dad thank you like a little bit canadian government but um Yeah, it was like I wouldn't trade it for anything. I'm very glad I went there. So how how many years were you then? How was that experience? So it's a four year program, but I graduated in three, um, and I stayed there though until my fourth year was up. Like I walked with my class and everything, even though I had graduated like six months prior, just because mm. all my friends and everything. Mm. What would a typical day in a school be like? 
I mean, I assume it's, you know, kind of the same as any other school. You have your classes, so like you register at the beginning of the semester and depending on how many credits you're taking, well, I think a full load was like, I can't remember, like six or seven credits. I don't know. Um, and then, you know, some of the classes are longer and there was still like the accredited classes and it's accredited institution, right? So you have to take your art history or your English or whatever, whatever the hell to complete your bachelor degree. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, like art history was a three hour class. Once a week, but three hours and either Ooh. early in the morning or late at night. Oh my like, god. Oh, please, no. <laughs> like I just wanna sing. And then there was lots of fun classes, right? There's like lots of labs and lots of different you know, take a jazz class, take a take a guitar class, take a whatever class. Like there was lots of um lots of pick and choose depending on your major, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Was any uh, standout class for you? Looking back on it, not necessarily. I think a lot of the like a uh, lot of a lot of the labs where I got to actually like use my instrument, I think were really uh, stuck out for me. Just because that's really what I wanted to do was like learn different types of singing and sing all the time. So mm-hmm. that, and then I'll also say like our private lessons. So private lessons with your teacher um, were obviously very monumental in kind of shaping the singer that I am now. So I think those were mm. super impactful for me. Mm. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, you finished the three, uh, well, four years there because you, you stayed uh, after, even though you graduated six months earlier. Mm-hmm. And what was the next thing you did? I came home. <laughs> <laughs> because, well, my OPT, so after school, you can get a, an OPT visa where you can work in your field for a year and then you can reapply and reapply. So I applied for my OPT after I graduated in December and I was approved, um, but I couldn't like find a job really in just music. Like I had done wedding singing and, and GB band stuff all throughout college and it was super profitable, but mostly from like May to October. So if you didn't have a lot of gigs in the winter, I couldn't make enough money and justify staying there. So it was like, okay. So come August, I was like, I'm not gonna be able to make it through the winter here. I gotta Mm -hmm. go home. So I came home and um, there was this little theater, not, I hesitate to say theater company, a little dinner theater place. (laughs) (laughs) They're not, like, honestly, they're a joke. They're a literal joke, so (laughs) not even going to go there. But they gave me a shot, I auditioned, and they wrote a show, and I was a part of it, and and some of the people that I met in the show were amazing, and I still, we're still great friends today, but that was kind of my Mm -hmm. shot, and then from there, just kind of rolled on. Other people came to see me, I got auditions, and Boom! Here we are. Years later. <laughs> in You're COVID. skipping so many things. I'm gonna rewind a bit. Okay, so so you had this experience in this not theater place, and then yes. you, know, you started auditioning anything. Were there like, I guess, by the time you fell in love with now doing rents in Berkeley, mm-hmm. um, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh well, this you know has all these things you love in one, um. Were there plays that you've always wanted to, like, play a role in? The Lion King. (laughs) The Lion King. The Lion King. The Lion King. (laughs) 
That has always been number one. Always been number one. That's the first movie I ever saw in theaters. It's the first movie I ever saw in theaters. Um, And the moment that I saw the commercial on TV for the the production, which is in like 1997 or 1998, I was like, I got to do that. I want that. I want to do that. Um, it's just, the show feels like a spiritual experience. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It feels like a spiritual experience. Not the show. Not the show. It's, yeah, it's definitely something. Everyone should go see it. A lot of people don't like it. It's still expensive, right? Like, that thing. Oh, yes. Like, it's been there for years and years. You kept, like, I keep thinking, okay, so once I'm going to go to New York and, it's not going to be as expensive, but no, 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 it's always expensive. <laughs> always, always. And it always sells out and it always does well. And it's, yeah, you know, it's been running <laughs> since 97. Like, it's, she's strong. She's, yeah. she's never going away. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like, yeah. fingers crossed that I get to do that one day. Um, as far as other shows. So, though, what like, role? Nala. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Who are we kidding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Well, yeah. I like that. You know, you know, I, I like when, you know, you just shoot for the top. That's that's pretty high. Yes. I have one question though before we come back to this. Why do you think mm-hmm. Hamilton is what it is now? Like so popular or mm-hmm. Um, I think because it was quote unquote different. Like I think that bringing you know, hip hop and rap and kind of a more R&B influence into musical theater because that is the popular music of today, right? It's it's all our music. So I think it was super, super smart of Lin-Manuel Miranda to incorporate, incorporate that into a show about American history, right? And like, obviously the show takes its liberties and not everything is factual, but for kids, like think about education. It's so brilliant because it's like the kids now are going to want to listen to that and hear that and then re- like do actual research on these real characters. Mm-hmm. So I think it's brilliant. I think that's part of why it's so popular. It's relatable. Um, I think people, as much as they deny it, they want to see other people on stage. They want to see other like not all white cast on stage, even mm-hmm. though they're people who are super resistant to that. Mm-hmm. It's just it didn't sound like anything it didn't really fit the mold the way other classical musical theater shows do and i think that's why it's doing so well and Mm. i think it will continue to do so well now that we're in this finally this movement of like let's not cast white people anymore (laughs) for everything (laughs) let's let's see other people so i'm hoping that it stays around for a while yeah um you know another play that uh, comes to mind. I don't even know. I mean, I'm guessing you might notice. Do you know of Slave Play? Is that, I think that's what it's called? I do. And I had, I was in New York when it was playing and I was going to go see it and I didn't. And I so regret it because obviously now it's closed. Um, but yeah, I think it's stuff like that that isn't so safe. Stuff that kind of, I don't want to say it pushes the envelope, but it does in that world. Like, you know, for a person the way that I live my life, that stuff isn't so outrageous. It's not like so outrageous. Oh my God, they're talking about black people. Like that—that's my life. Like I don't know why white people are so shocked. Like it's—it's it's fine. Yeah. Um, but I think things that are less mainstream, less safe, safe, whatever that means, mm. 
need a shot. They need a chance. We need different stuff. I'm tired of seeing like, you know, 20 year old white girls playing teenagers scrouting at the top of their lungs. I'm bored. I don't care. I want something else, you know? Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Are you ever going to write something? Absolutely. Not a song, like a play. Yes, absolutely. Huh. Absolutely. Have you written it? No, it started. It's not finished. Oh! So I have big plans. <laughs> I have big plans. <laughs> are you writing yourself into it, or are you going to just direct it? I, I'm not a director. I'm not a director. I don't think that's my wheelhouse. I don't think I have the eye. Like I've worked with brilliant directors, and I'm just like I don't know how to do that. I'm 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 like the vessel. Like give me the information, and I think I'm I do an okay job at translating. But mm. I don't think I have the director's touch. I think I can write. I would love to cast. Um, so yeah, I want to write a one woman show about my life, and then I have oh. some ideas about yes. And then I have wait, some isn't that scary about, though? Uh, sort of. Yeah, sort of. Mm -hmm. It's kind of terrifying because mm. I like to think that I'm an honest person. I'm I'm an open book, but I'm not for everyone to read. Mm. Um, so. I think it will be a little bit terrifying to like lay all my shit out and be like, here it is. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And then to have people, you know, kind of judge or form their own opinions on my life yeah. and my story. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. And again, as I say, it's not anywhere near completion. Obviously my mm -hmm. story's still being written, but up mm. until now, I'm just like, I have a lot of shit in there to unpack. <laughs> There's a lot of that. Yeah, like yeah. You know, but my, my approach to that, I don't I don't think I'll ever like uh do that ever. Mm -hmm. The best I've done is just take uh like sprinkles of my life and just put it in things I've made. Um, and yeah. I'm not gonna say what is what, right? But like, you know, it's like, oh, that happened to me, but then I'll let a character experience it in some way right. that makes the story work, but you know, like oh okay when i watch it i know that's me but like actually come and say this is this uh. so people that do that like I'm, I'm one envious and two like inspired but uh i don't know it's just a very scary thing man it is it absolutely is but i i want to i think you have to want to somewhere in in you like i've always wanted to kind of share my story so yeah, I think if I can, whenever this piece of work comes out or whenever I finish writing it, um, mm -hmm. I'm always trying to teach through my art and I'm always trying to inspire. And um, if I can just affect some type of change, whether mm. positive, negative, whatever it is, if I can affect some type of reaction in you, um, then I think my work is done. So, yeah, it'll start conversations. It'll you know have people drop their jaws i'll probably lose some people in my life but th that's all that's all part of the process so. yeah yeah that is the one thing i'm never afraid of like if i do something or say something and then like someone i'm not talking to you anymore i'm just like happy <laughs> man one less person to i serious totally. like that's one less yeah. person to disturb myself about like thank you yeah uh we'll talk when we talk but like yeah uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't know Definitely. i i hate when people do that if you don't do this thing i'm not talking to you anymore like that is 
not a threat though. Like no, not at all. Like please leave. See yourself. <laughs> exactly. <out>. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So um, you know, you 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 find this thing you love, and then you start mm-hmm. you know doing it, going to auditions and uh, kind of just you know soaking yourself into each role you get to play. Um, one of the, I guess, the standout ones, which you actually won an award for last year. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Last year, anyway, was uh, for the I Color know, Purple. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was for the Color Purple. How did that come about? Not the award first, to come to that, but like, how did he get into the play? Um, so, The Color Purple is one of those movies that I've seen like umpteen times from the time I was a kid. And I, you know, I never really absorbed what it was about um, because the material kind of flew over my head at that point. Um, but yeah, it was one of those movies, kind of like, you know, grew up in a black household. A lot of the time, it's one of those movies that you just watch or a book that you read. I didn't read the book until I actually booked the job, though. Mm-hmm. So I'd known about The Color Purple. I'd known about the, the singing role, and I had seen... Um, you know, clips of Cynthia belting her face and being like, "Oh shit, man! <laughs> like that's powerful. <laughs> I want to, I want to see that. I want to, I want to do that." So, uh, I had a conversation with a friend like a year prior, a few months prior to the show being announced, and I was like, "He was like, you gotta, you gotta do this," and I was like, "I do, I do, gotta do this." So. Um, I met Kim. Kim came to Edmonton while I was in Edmonton. She was doing a dance call for another show. I went into the dance call, not necessarily wanting to book that show. I don't, I never go into a job like expecting to book it or wanting really to book it necessarily. I just really go for the opportunity to show my stuff. So I went into dance call, finished the dance call and I made a point to introduce myself to Kimberly Rampersad, who is the director and choreographer of Purple. Cause I never had. So I went up to her and I was like, I'm Tara Jackson. I know you're doing the color purple. Please remember me. <laughs> and she was like, Oh, I see you. I was like, okay, good. This is good. And then fast forward to the summertime, I was in Charlottetown and the, the team for purple was auditioning in Halifax. And I was like, okay, I had my car. I was like, okay, I can drive to Halifax. I can audition in person. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait, let me email Kim because I had gotten her email from a friend. I was like, let me email her and tell her the deal and ask her if she'll accept, if she wants me to come or she'll accept a tape. Mm-hmm. Emailed her, she got back to me. She was like, no problem, send a tape. I'll make sure I watch it. Amazing, lit. Film the stuff, sent it off into what the What do you shoot for your audition? Uh, the requirements for Celie were a cut of I'm here, and a cut of What About Love. So I'm here is like her big 11 o'clock number and What About Love is the duet that she sings with um, Suge. So I put that on tape, sent it off into the ether with a prayer. And I just like, I had never wanted a job more in my life. I was like, I have to, I have to do this. I was like, there's nobody else. It's me, I gotta do it. Like. Sorry to all of you who think you've got this. It's me. I got this. Like, I'm, and I'm not that person. I'm not this big-headed, like, yeah. I'm better than everybody. This yeah. role was mine from the beginning. Like, in my yeah. head, I knew it, and I just had to say that, keep saying it to myself, 
mm-hmm. to make it real because I just mm-hmm. I needed to do this. So when I got the email back a few months later being like, hi, um, <laughs> I do this job. I was like, <laughs> I was, okay, wait, I wait, wait. before you continue, I have a question for you, though. Which email yes. felt better, the Color Purple or Berkeley? Color Purple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just different, right? It's different, different True. points in my life. Yeah. I think at that time, when I was auditioning for Berkeley, that was the height of like my, mm-hmm. oh my God, I'm gonna go do this amazing thing. And mm-hmm. then with Purple, it was like, oh my God, I'm gonna go do this amazing thing. I had done mm-hmm. lots of amazing work in theater already. I had enjoyed every job and every opportunity I've got, but the Purple felt like I get to be me on stage for the first time, not in a token role. Like I get to be me. And it was just like a huge deal, a huge mm-hmm. deal. So yeah, it's just mm. like, oh, wow, I get to do this thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you get the email. How do you prepare for the show? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, um, lots of work. <laughs> <laughs> like lots of honestly, because there was no dialect coach. There was no. Um, yeah, I worked on the accents because it's a she you know she's from georgia it's a southern american accent and she she speaks like folk speak like old broken english so i was like i gotta get that down so i worked on that really hard i worked on memorizing the script before i got there um i didn't touch the music i didn't look at it i didn't listen to it i had never heard any of the songs in the show except what about love and i'm here just because how can you not And I did that on purpose. I do that on purpose because I don't want to emulate anybody. I don't want to Mm. have any ideas in my head other than what comes out in the room with the music director. Mm -hmm. So I just focused on the character, Celia, her backstory. Um, I looked at obviously all the material and I was just like, okay, I need to make sure emotionally and mentally and spiritually I'm prepared to step into this role because there are, you know, tougher parts. Um, mm. It's very heavy, very heavy. As much light as there is in the show, there's a lot of dark. So I had to prepare for that as much as I could. And even with all my preparation, it still broke me in half. Um, <laughs> so that was the, that was the thing I was going to ask because, like, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it is rough. It, it's it's mm-hmm. a it's a beautiful story, but it's rough, 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 rough. Yes, yes. And especially for Celie, right? So mm-hmm. like. I mean, I, I you know, at the end of the day, you are acting, right? But still, yes. you are embodying this character that lived in this book and in in this story. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you prepare yourself mentally and emotionally for that, uh, for Purple? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm an avid therapy goer. I love therapy. So I did speak to my therapist before about the role. And she's a white woman, but she's very, she's a very good therapist. So I was able to talk to her about kind of my concerns going in, at least on uh, a subject matter front, like not necessarily the racial stuff, but like mm-hmm. a subject matter, you know, of, of sexual assault and all abuse and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a few conversations with her about it. And then I kind of just was like, you know, I've experienced quite a few of the things that Celie's experienced in my own life. So I was like, you've already been through a lot of this. 
you have to channel that. You have to go back there to when these things were happening and kind of remember what that was like in order to portray that on stage. And Mm -hmm. Kimberly was a really great um, support in that where she would say, you just have to touch, like you have to go to the bottom. And then the more you go there, eventually you learn how to just kind of like kiss the bottom and come right back up so you don't live in that pocket, which is really helpful. So I guess a lot of the preparation was just conversations and, um, you know, just being honest about my feelings and having a support system in place. It's like Mm. my husband and my family and the cast eventually when I got there and just making sure like, yeah, making sure I had support was super important. Mm. Uh, and then you come to Halifax, the Neptune Theatre. Mm-hmm. How was the opening night for you, not just for the play? <sighs> opening night was like, holy shit, we did it. <laughs> like at the end, I was just like, oh my God, tear like tears streaming when I came out for my bow. And I looked around at everyone on the stage and I was just like looking in the audience and my mom was there, my husband was there, and all we had so much support, and I just, it just felt like we did it, and now we we get to we've done the work, and now we get to do the work every night. It just felt so good, like it felt so good to um to share with people. Mm. So yeah, it was definitely like team effort, and then personally for me, when I left the stage and I went to my dressing room, I just looked in the mirror and I was like, you did that. <laughs> and that, was, that was it i had to say it to myself so just like you did that like you're gonna mm. do this now so buckle up <laughs> <laughs> oh man um you know color purple happened you guys mm. had like it was pretty much sold out like every fucking night <laughs> um <Yay>. and then <laughs> and then um <laughs> Uh, it was time for the Merit Awards, and you you won. Mm-hmm. How was that experience? Honestly, I'm not like a huge um, like awards are kind of bullshit, and I say that as like <laughs> respectfully. Why, as, Why as do you I say they're bullshit? Well, okay, like ultimately, awards are the the great thing about awards is the recognition from your peers that you have achieved something, right? That's Mm -hmm. a beautiful thing about that. I love that part of it. The community recognizes your work. Amazing. Mm -hmm. But really, it's very subjective. It's very like, did you think this person was worth this award? Did you think their performance? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's so many nuances in a performance. Was it the singing that you really loved? Maybe you didn't like the way they did this one scene. Maybe you didn't. You know what I mean? So it's just like, uh, it's not that they don't matter because they do. But personally, I don't attach my worth to winning or not winning awards because Mm -hmm. they're not indicative of my talent or indicative of my, um, yeah, of of what I have to offer. I'm grateful Mm -hmm. that I was recognized. I'm humbled always when people pick me for things. Like, I think that's great. And so it's not to diminish that part of it, but I just think Mm -hmm. in our culture, in our society, it's not the biggest, like, you know, achievement. So, to you, what is a good indicator of your, I guess, work, uh, ethic, your skill, talent, all that? Um, I would say, you know, the couple messages you get from people saying, 
I believed you on stage. Like I saw, I saw, I didn't see you anymore. I saw Celie and I saw what she went through and I saw how you did that. And it wasn't until it was over that I realized that you were acting. Like that to me is like, oh, okay, great. So it's translating. Like you're seeing me journey as the character. You're not seeing Tara Jackson. You're seeing Celie on the stage. That Mm. to me is what matters. The messages from people who are like, I've gone through this really hard thing and you portrayed it really well or I, you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's that. So yeah, it's not, mm. it's not applause. It's not awards. It's like, as I said before, if I can affect change or affect anything in you or reaction in you, then I feel like I've, I've done my job. Mm-hmm. Um, what are, I guess to you, uh, differences you see between acting on stage and acting from a camera? Yeah, I think I haven't done a whole lot of on-camera work and I certainly haven't done any on-camera training. So it's just a smaller scale, I would say. So like in theater, I guess, and maybe if I had gone to theater school, I would be more equipped to answer this question. But in my experience, when you're in theater, you have to act to the back of the house. So that can be, you know, like hundreds of rows backward you know, tens of rows back and lots and lots of seats and lots and lots of people. And you have to be able to translate your face, your emotion, everything Mm. to the back of the house, whether Mm. you're singing or not. Mm. And then on camera, it's just like a tiny little lens that you're acting into. And obviously you have a scene partner, so you're, you know, acting and reacting. That's all that acting is, is reacting to something. Um, So I think things are just a little bit smaller on camera but they mm. see more because it's right up close. Right, right. So right, it's right. like, okay, how do I put all of that emotion that I would have in a song, let's say, and then it translate that to a camera. So I think it's it's just about um, the nuances are maybe different. Like maybe mm. on stage you would outstretch your arms and do something really big. It's how do you bring that same feeling and emotion, but in a, a little, little <laughs> tiny square, yeah. you know? <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. So I'm even gonna bring you into a tinier square, cause uh, mm-hmm. you and your friend, and I'm talking about Straight Up Sis, the podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a lot of fun, man, and I listen like it's yes. like okay, these two ladies are having a swell time, but Absolutely. but but then they are also like really personal and really um intense and sometimes difficult things we talk about like how did Mm -hmm. straight up sis come to be and how do you two like uh, like how long have you two been friends because like the chemistry is crazy listen i we know we love it (laughs) so messini who is my partner and my sister i call her my sister um so messini and i met actually in halifax doing the color purple and we kind of just yeah we kind of just hit it off like I wouldn't say right, right away, but kind of somewhere around opening, like we just became very close and it happened very quickly. Um, and then we were spending all of our time together. Like it was just mm-hmm. like, if Tara's somewhere, then Messini's there, if Messini's there, then Tara's there. She was very much like my ride or die support. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I didn't have other people in the cast, but there was just a very special bond there. She really feels like a little sister to me which I don't have in real life. So that was that was really, really nice. So 
that's how we met. And then we were always having really great conversation, you know, about anything, whether it was about a TV show or like very serious issues or politics or religion or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so during this COVID time, we were like, you know, we had thought of doing like a YouTube channel or something. And then I was like, why don't we, why don't we do a podcast? Like, let's, let's do that. It seems like a good medium. I love listening to podcasts. So I was like, I kind of know what they're about. And then, yeah, we, we just kind of started. And I think our first episode was in November of 2020 or December. And yeah, yeah. it just kind of, it's taken off from there. We love it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I like. How do you even name your 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 episode names? Are crazy too. <laughs> the episode titles oh. are insane. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, just. I mean, de- depending on what we talk about, right? We just like figure it out. <laughs> we figure it out. Sometimes we take pop culture references. Other times, it's just like made up off the top of our head. It really depends. So when are we getting season two? We're going to start recording soon. So Mm -hmm. probably, yeah, next month or maybe the month after that. Definitely by the summer, we'll have season two. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, You know, COVID shut things down. Um, But like things are, at least here, (laughs) I can't speak for Alberta. (laughs) you know things are slightly opening up in in some provinces (laughs) (laughs) but like um things open up what are what are some things you're working on that you think would pick right up once things open up like honestly nothing i did a lot of uh kind of like online singing things throughout COVID. There was a lot around Christmas, like a couple of virtual kind of situations. Um, but I'm so sick of it. Like, I'm so sick of it. Um, not to say that I'm not grateful for the opportunities, but like, I'm very much tired of doing Zoom theater, Zoom performances. But unfortunately, and fortunately, that is kind of where things are right now and probably will be for quite some time. So, I mean, yeah, like if there's any kind of little concert situations happening, all of that is online. I was fortunate enough in the summer to do very distanced um, singing outdoors, but that has since been outlawed (laughs) in Calgary, in Alberta. So, yeah, as far as what's happening right now in my world, a whole lot of nothing. (laughs) Mm, mm, Just mm. waiting for stuff to open back up and... Unfortunately, it doesn't, it really doesn't look like it's going to be anytime soon. So I'm like, all right, is it time to uh, get a real job? Like, <laughs> what, are we, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Well, yeah. only time will tell, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to let you go, but but I'm going to, before I let you go, I need to ask this because uh, mm-hmm. you've seemed to follow your passions and they've you know led you to now um mm-hmm. and the question is I'm, I'm hoping it's gonna be simple but this is it like how do you follow your passion when it's difficult like now right um i think you have to get creative so 
you know, for me, my passion is music, not necessarily music theater. I love musical theater. I don't want to leave it anytime soon. But ultimately, the base of my passion for musical theater comes from music. So I found myself getting back into songwriting, getting back into learning new instruments. All of that is in, is in music. So I think it's finding different things that you can do within your medium or around your medium um, to keep you moving forward. And that's not an everyday thing. There are days where I seriously question leaving the industry because it's non-existent right now. Mm. And I don't know when it's coming back. So I'd be lying mm. if I said every day is like, oh, I get up <laughs> and I practice singing. And I like, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. I've also, you know, there's been a lot of loss for me in this time. So I've had mo- like months of just sitting on my couch playing video games because I can't bring myself to do anything else. Mm. So I think the challenge is, is finding those, those ways to be creative about pursuing your passion. And then Mm. knowing that it's okay if that has changed. Like, it's okay Mm. if you don't want to do what you were doing anymore. This time has been a blessing in that way that you can kind of pivot. Like, maybe you've always wanted to be a chef. Well, fucking go be a chef. Like, if that's what you want to do, people are going to eat. So Mm. (laughs) go do that. You know, I think we can't limit ourselves to, I've been doing this for so long. So this is now my only thing that I like to do. That's, I don't think that's true for anyone, right? So, yeah. Oh, Does that answer man. your question? Yep, you sure did, Tara. Thank you right. so much. I can't wait for the thank next you. season of Straight Up Sis. Like, yeah, I me laugh. too. <laughs> yeah, I did. Was like, good. You, you, it's, it's. I, I love things that make me laugh because, like, when you mm-hmm. laugh, you're happy. Well, I am. So, and yes, then, it's good. And, and then, good for the soul. Exactly, and, and it's the chemistry you two have that makes that show. So, yeah, I'm actually yeah, envious of thanks. it because, like, you know, you want to have someone you have that kind of chemistry with because it's like they just get you, you know? Yes, totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Oh, man. Dara, thank you so much for coming to the sanctuary. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Anytime. I'm not doing anything. So, <laughs> see you next week. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, man. Oh.